I am Anthony Scaramucci, and you may know me from my career on Wall Street or my 11 days in the White House. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but I'll tell you, if you read books, you can. I love to read, and my new podcast, Open Book, is about just that. Each book is this curated source of knowledge, which we can buy for $10 and digest in 10 hours. Together with some of the brightest minds and authors out there, I'll turn the pages on everything from history and psychology to finance and tech. You can find Open Book with Anthony Scaramucci on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippi and welcome back to That Trippy Show. This week, a pretty good week for Democrats as we come down the home stretch. Alex, where do you want to start? Well, like you said, Joe, home stretch, 11 days to go. But, you know, as we're recording this, you literally just got off a plane basically from yeah. from Iowa. We we recorded a couple days ago. What's the situation there? I literally this morning, we got in from the rally uh, in Clinton uh late last night uh this morning i had to drop senator doug jones off at uh, cedar rapids airport about seven fifteen in the morning and then drove two hours to des moines to catch my plane because i was flying out of there but it, let me tell you uh we spent uh, a couple of days as you said uh you know everything from uh I was knocking doors in in clive iowa near des moines and then went over and uh and we hit cedar rapids iowa city clinton as i said uh, with Mike Franken, and I'm telling you, it's pretty amazing. But he's got a real shot at this thing, so we don't need to dwell on it because I've I've been a, done a lot of texting. We talked about it on the on our podcast. Uh, I mean, tweeting, and we we talked about it on our podcast on uh, the the episode we dropped on on Tuesday. If people want to go and listen, but but you know that day I had I had only uh, been knocking on doors in in Clive. I hadn't uh, been to you know most of the eastern side of the state from Cedar Rapids down to Clinton, doing three or four or five events, I think we did. And and Mike Franken's message, people are really responding to it. Independents, Republicans, a lot of Republicans, just tired of of Grassley. And I think um, it's gotten so, so close there. I mean, the, the best poll you can get in Iowa is, is the, the Des Moines Register uh, Seltzer poll, and Seltzer. And it's it's got it a three-point race now with Grassley at 46 so which that's for an incumbent to be that low and then on top of it you know it everybody's wondering like as i was tweeting about the race and as the, as senator jones was tweeting about it as well and and doing some videos uh for social media talking about the race people start like you know come on is this for real well let me tell you it's so real that the grassley's bringing trump in to to do a rally that in is the, wild yeah uh, up trump in trump in iowa for Chuck Grassley, right in the northwest corner of the state, kind of reminiscent of how the, how Trump, how uh, Roy Moore brought Trump in to Pensacola, you know, just outside in the right media market for them in Alabama, mm-hmm. but just outside the state. And I think they're they're coming in like five days before the election, so hopefully the uh, the energy and the energy Trump generates, if he still can, uh, will fade by by election day. But I feel really good about that one. So. Folks, if you can help uh, Mike Franken out, we'll put a, a link in the uh, in the show notes uh, where you can help uh, him and and Doug Jones' efforts to help him in our show notes. But anyway, Alex, where do you want to where do you want to get going on the other stuff that really did have you know that that I think is pretty good news 
uh, that happened this oh, week yeah. uh, on the Democratic side. A huge couple of days, really. And I, I kind of think, Joe, we might just want to call this the trippy Iowa effect, but you go to Iowa, get your boots on the ground, go essentially drive around the state. You're somewhat off the grid because you're driving through Iowa and somehow the party has its best couple days in a while. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What 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 get trippy really the hell out of here. That's that probably works. Yeah. That's that's what caught your eye. Great. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, you know, I just think that the the media has been they 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 just sort of get behind the curve and keep doing the old you know, whatever they've been talking about, you know, gas prices going up or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, and they've been, they've been sort of stuck on Democrats are screwed now, you know, for the last two or three weeks, I think. And, the, you know, they see the polls tightening up and they jump all over it. And, you know, there, there isn't a lot of positive coverage with, you know, great quarter for GDP growth up 2.6%. That's huge. Gas prices down and continue to fall despite Putin and the Saudis' best efforts. Shell, Shell announced that they're buying back four billion dollars of shares. Their profits doubled this quarter. I mean, come on. So then you get the polls <laughs> that are that are out there. Uh, too many to get into in one day. But the last three congressional generic polls on five thirty-eight, Big Village has the Democrats plus four at fifty percent, fifty forty-six. The Economist YouGov has it 49.45 plus four. Morning Consult has it, you know, 48.45. I mean, Alex, you know, that's that's a, a Dems plus three. So you got those three polls, you know, you need to be up three or four points. Democrats need to to have a real shot at the House. And hey, it's, you know, no one's talking They're about there. those. Yeah, yeah, but no one's talking about them. Well, and remember, th this is essentially where Democrats were in kind of these national polls when we won New York 19, which yeah. I think it's almost like everyone conveniently forgot is essentially the bellwether district. And economically, the, the good news continues. Well, we have a couple of reader questions about how to, how to maybe message that we'll get into in a minute, but it just kind of seems like almost like they're five, six, maybe a week, five, six days, maybe a week behind in terms of the coverage, because if you if you go on CNN, if you look at the news, it is all still free fall and worry. Well, they may never even get back to to swinging. You know that there's some something you know positive for Democrats happening, right? You know, I mean, it's that's how far behind they can get. But you know, with that, we also have the Navigator poll. Today's Navigator Today, poll, yep. yeah, has Dems forty eight, Democrats forty eight, forty five. Again, another three pointer. So we got a couple of three points up couple of four points up, you know, it, it's, it's pretty, and, and, you know, their findings, I think, explain some of the, you know, closing messages. Democratic brand is strongest on doing what is best for the country and standing up for the middle class, while the Republicans have an advantage on valuing hard work and keeping us safe. I mean, you know, these are the kinds of things that are out there. So, you know, when you look at some of the other findings within that Navigator poll, though, the one that really stuck out to me is that Americans split evenly on whether Democrats are focused on the right things, 47%, or the wrong things, 47%. While Republicans are underwater on that question by five points, only 44% of the country think that uh, they're focused on the right things, and 49% think uh, Republicans are focused on the wrong things. So. That's a slight, by the way, that difference is about the four or five, three, four or five points that you're seeing in these last 
congressional generics that we've been talking about. I mean, it, yeah, it seems small that 47% of Democrats, uh, people think Democrats are focused on the right things, and only 44% believe Republicans are focused on the right thing. But when you focus on 47 and 44, and then go back to those numbers we were reciting a few minutes ago from Big Village, 50, 46. The Economist, you got 49, 45. Morning Consult, 48, 45. Navigator Poll, 48, 45. Democrats focused on the right things, 47. Republicans focused on the right things, 44. When you kind of see that, that stuff sinking up that way, that makes you feel really good about those head-to-head numbers. I mean, in other words, when you start seeing very similar numbers on, on things that are underlying the head-to-head vote. Let's remember when we talked about this in the past, we said don't pay as much attention to the head-to-head vote until you really look deeper into the poll and see if things are sort of adding up and reflecting that head-to-head vote. And we're starting to see that in these, in these numbers, particularly in this Navigator poll that came out today. Joe, that's all good stuff. And and I mean, there's more early vote numbers we can get into in a minute, but it hasn't all been totally positive. I mean, you look at the coverage. What was your takeaway from the Fetterman-Oz debate? Well, look, I mean, it's again, what the, it's it, every debate, it, it's how the press reacts, you know, how the, what, what do they cover? I mean, what, it, because most people don't, don't watch the, those, those debates. Right. And I think, you know, they they jumped on the obvious, you know, Fetterman's performance because uh, of uh, him, his need to uh, uh, use closed captioning to understand what's being said. They jumped all over it. And I think, but here's what I might, you know, so yeah, the, the coverage of it and the way it looks and feels, not good. I mean, you know, that's just the, the, the way it is. On the other hand, I'm pretty sure people have been pretty aware that, uh, Fetterman had a stroke, and, and and it's been five six months of them knowing it. I mean, being constantly reminded of it. Uh, Doctor Oz uh, making fun of him, et cetera, through this whole thing. The press has been focused on you know whether he's doing enough public events, all that stuff. It's been out there, and I think a lot of the negative hits and commentary from the punditry out there. I mean, it's to be ex- expected, but I think it's one of those things that sort of it's already in the, the people have already made a decision. I think the people that are going to be right. bothered by Featherman having a stroke and being and recovering from it during the campaign, and yet n- not fully recovered, he he will be. I mean, he will recover. He'll get even uh, stronger. Actually, he's had a remarkable re- recovery from all, uh, you know when you actually talk to doctors and people who know. Um, well, not not one doctor, yeah, one very yeah, specific, one specific doctor. Doctor, but. <laughs> But my point is, like, I actually think that that's all been, you know, overblown as, as are, you know, like the way they've overblown, uh, you know, la- last couple of weeks where almost all the polls that were uh, coming out were all Republican leaning, you know, pollsters. Uh, and so all of a sudden there's the red surge is back and they're all over it, you know, so they're going to jump on this. But I think I really do think that Fetterman, I, I guess as a campaign manager and I even hesitate to say this and I'll and, and I'll explain why in a minute but as a campaign manager you ha- you got to uh, you know putting that hat on you got to wonder what the hell they were thinking uh I mean his staff by putting him in this position it would have been much better just to take the crap of he doesn't want to debate I think but on the other hand having been through this I can also t- that's 
that's a you know a, a not a smart game to play. I'm talking about all of the pundits. You know, why did they let him do this? Why? How could they right. be so? Yeah, yeah. That, you know, that stuff. No, we don't know. I mean, I've been there where I've told a candidate, "Do not do this," and you know, in the end, he goes through that door anyway. <laughs> you know, so right. you don't know who to. That's what I'm saying is you can't sit back now and just go, "Oh man, his can't." I think they've been running on social media. They've been running a great campaign. I think you know, there's things I would have done differently. You know, if I was running the, that campaign, but that, but his campaign manager may not. You know, may have advised him with you know to make all the right uh, decisions and and. And got out at the end of the day. It's still the candidate. It's still the candidate. I'll I'll say this about the debate: the the it's a soundbite game, especially now. And the one that the one that got the most play wasn't anything Fetterman said. It was Doctor Oz saying abortion should be between a woman, her doctor, doctor, and local politicians. Local politicians. Yeah, yeah. And and Doug Mastriano should be in the in in the right in there when you see your your OBGYN. I mean, it's like crazy. I guess my point is anybody who believes that Dr. Oz is wrong or too extreme on uh, women's health contraceptives, any of that stuff, I mean, you know, any of the things that we're talking about, they already know it. I mean, it's the same thing with that, with that quote, with, with what he did. Yes, it makes news. Everybody's spreading it. But in the end, I'm not really sure that there's another voter that got that gets moved by it, it might energize people. To, uh, yeah, I got to remember to vote against that guy. I mean, I I can see that, but I don't really think. I think the debate in the end probably turns out to be a wash. Right. That's all I meant. And and when you start, that's what I'm saying. Being backseat drivers, uh, talking about how they we wouldn't have put him in the position, we wouldn't have let him do the debate. Why did they do that? You can't ask. I mean, it's just not fair to the staff or the candidate. You don't know how they made the, that decision. They may have felt, he may have felt, look, I, I want people to see where I am. I want them to see me as I recover from this. I want them to, you know, look at where I'll be three months from now. You know, I mean, th- th- that could be important to, to, to Fetterman. Right. He has the right to do that. And I actually applaud that he had the courage to, to go out there and be in that debate knowing that it wasn't you look it's it, if you, you this is a place where you got to have your answers in 30 seconds and 60 seconds and it, you know debates are all about pushing your opponent you know getting them off balance so he he knew that going going in that has nothing to do with being a united states senator where you have you actually sit there you read the the bills you actually uh, work well, on do. them. No, yeah, you, well, some do. A lot of these guys don't. But you have you you sit with your staff and other other senators and draft stuff together, and then you and you know what you want to get done. You know you want to make sure that Medicare and Social Security are, are you know aren't sunsetted in five years, like the Republicans want to do. So it's a no no one's sitting there. You have to answer this question in 30 seconds before you decide to vote. It doesn't work that way. So I think the debates are, I think a lot of debates are useful, but I think in this instance, it may be unfair, life's unfair to get measured this way. But I, you know, I, we have to admit, you know, it was probably a, you know, something that there was no way the press wasn't going to do what it did, which was to jump all over it 
uh, just right. as they did jump on Dr. Oz's, I want local politicians in there with you and your doctor. It's crazy. <laughs> Which okay, was anyway. wild. You know, as our, as our friend Stuart Stevens has been saying repeatedly, one of the most kind of crucial or effective things you can do at this point in a race is remind or introduce new negative information to voters. And, you know, we've both been on both sides of this, but this this was not a case of anything really new coming out. So I, I tend to agree with you. But I will say this. Oz going into that debate, it, it wasn't really about his numbers. It wasn't really about John Fetterman's favorables or unfavorables. It was really about his because he has some of the worst favorables of anybody running for Senate anywhere consistent low likability and he just came off as so snobby i mean just mean condescending like that did not help his favorables i might might have hurt fetterman but it didn't help him a lot of the mega folks love that so you know you can't you, you know they, they they like that mean snobby stuff but the reality is that i think i think that what's going on there is that dr oz he was trying to, the, I mean, the more significant thing was that he had been all of a sudden spending a lot of time trying to moderate, trying to, you, you know, he sort of in a weird way, put the sweater vest on and, and move away from being the, the Trumpy and being the, the crazy, you know, the MAGA guy. And I think what happened with him I think that that might have been working to some extent that you he might you know that some of those some people may have been you know looking at it and decided and just and thinking hey what's going on here and then all of a sudden he says and I want to doc I want local uh, you know no I'm not extreme I just want to I just want local official public officials local elected officials in the room with with the woman and her doctor that you know that like kind of kind of erased uh any of that effort that he was doing that uh to to say he was an extreme so Joe, I want to make sure we had time to get to one reader question, and I thought this was a really good one. Uh, this is from Christina from email, and she said first she said something nice. she said she wanted to say thank you for your podcast. I discovered it a few months ago and look forward to listening every week. I wish you would make more or do a longer show. It's a real breath of fresh air. I had a question about polling that maybe you could shed some light on. I've been a, a registered voter since I turned 18. I'm 39 now and have voted in every election since then. Never once have I been asked to participate in any of the polls I read or hear about. I'm a registered Democrat. What is the polling process and who actually gets polled? I'd like to mention that no one I know, Republican or Democrat, has ever been polled either. You're a very lucky person. <laughs> 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 Uh, seriously, I don't. I'm, I'm not making fun of it, but that. Well, first of all, any good poll is is a random sample. In other words, they you got look. There's 300. I don't know, 140 million or so adult Ameri Americans, uh, you know, registered voter numbers, and they're polling like a thousand, some of them on a the thousand yeah. people. So you know what they're doing is they're randomly. Uh, essentially, it, it, in layman's terms, it's more complicated than this, but they randomly are selecting a thousand people out of that, uh, let's say in a state like uh, like California, you know, it's upwards of, you know, I mean, tens of millions of people in that state, right? And so, you know, maybe there they'll do 1,500. 
But yeah, so 1,500 people. And what they're trying to do is they're looking at things like, and just to keep them in, in, uh, in plain terms, are there 50% women, 50% men? The, in the actuality, they're looking for more women uh, in the sample because it, it you know, more, more women, women tend vote to, more. to yeah. vote more. Well, they're also, they live longer. Uh, men die earlier. There's all kinds of reasons. This is my point. There's all kinds of reasons why they're, they're generally more women in the survey and actually on election day. The same thing with other demographics, race, age. I seem to recall, Joe, you got actually called for a poll once because there was another Joe Trippy in the state of Alabama. Yeah, I think exactly. I recall that last cycle. Yeah. We were like, what? But yeah, how did I get this call? But the, my, my point is they that you can, um, you look, if you are in Iowa in a presidential campaign year and you can avoid being called on the phone by a pollster, you're, I mean, you're a ghost. Yeah. yeah you're a ghost. Yeah. Because, you know, there's like, you know, a couple hundred thousand people, they're going to vote in that thing. And you've got like maybe 50 pollsters, you know, calling. So they're going to doing like 600, 700 samples. Sooner or later, most people are going to get called and they're going to get sick of it. But anyway, I, I hope that answered the question. So Joe, before, I think that was a pretty good start. We might even have a pollster on after the election to really explain this further. Maybe we invite Paul. Yeah, back, by the but... way, I should point out, I am not a pollster. I don't pretend to be one. I think I'm pretty damn good at reading them and looking underneath you know, at the numbers. But one of them can explain their sample, uh, how they sample better than I can. But I'm, I was just trying to do my best to answer your question. Joe, before we leave, because we're just about out of time, I wanted to ask you about what the hell is going on in Virginia. It seems like you know we were we were prepping for. Oh this. yeah, yeah. We got to put things, a but... yeah. I, we talked about this. We got to put a, shine a light on this thing right right now. Um, uh, this is pretty amazing, folks. So I don't know if you this sort of was happening uh, right before we we uh, started recording this. It turns out that the Virginia Department of Elections just and I'm doing air quotes here that you can't see found visual medium yeah found. 107,000 voter registration applications from the DMV, the, the motor vehicles. The Virginia Public Access Project just found out and broke the news. How bad is, I mean, we're talking about like registrars are saying that they just received registrations that were dated from May until September. This is Hanover County Registrar Teresa Simpson who received an estimated backlog of 1,100 registration applications in her office this week. There's 107,000 of them that, that are now landing in registrar's office from the State Department of Elections that, that were collected. These are people registered. They, they put their application in in May, and they just, how many days is it till the election? Those registration applications have just today or just recently gotten to the county registrars to process them they're not even to process them they're going to be hard pressed to to process the, all those registrations in the day in the few days that are that are left here and then there's even more going on where the they were sending out uh mail to the, to i think these people and others saying telling them where be, what district they were in and where they could vote where they should their polling place was 
and people got the wrong got, got the the printer that the the state is saying that the printer mm-hmm. uh messed up that the so a printing company is took the fall on this one but the question is is it you know this is where you get either massive incompetence how the hell do 107,000 applications registration applications turn up seven, eight days before an election, you know, and are just being processed today. And and by the way, yeah, you got to wonder, you know, it, it, was there a purpose in doing it this way or was it just incompetence? But, you know, Yunkin, he runs the state, Virginia Department of Election, you know, is on his watch and geez, folks, 107,000 voter registration applications. Well, oh, we just found them. The real question, too, and we talked about this, is, is this the only place this is happening? Is it happening in, in, in other states, you know, Georgia, Texas, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona? You know, people need, we need to get uh, some reporting on this. It's sort of happening underneath the radar. It's a real thing that ha- that's happening in Virginia. And by the way, if this was, a sur- was the surge that happened after the leak of the Supreme Court decision and a surge of registrations that happened after Dobbs, and these people weren't on the rolls, ergo weren't in any polls, there might be some of our congressional Democrats who are in toss-up races in Virginia might be faring a lot better than we all think they are. Because <laughs> there's 107,000 voters that are about to be, you know, to show up. Uh, I mean, on the they they think they're registered, they're going to vote, or many of them will. And the state has to, and the counties have to get these people on the rolls in time to vote. So, but but not in time, it won't be in time for a pollster to, to just getting back to our last, uh, the question that, that you threw at me, a listener question, there's no way those 107,000 were, were in the the pool that would have been polled because you're the first thing is you're looking for registered voters to then ask them if they're likely to vote or not. Uh, that's the other thing I should say that does happen though. It's not just that sample. It's the, there's a whole series of questions before called, we call it a screen before anybody actually gets into a poll. You know, so you, if you get asked uh, a, a typical one would be how likely are you to vote in the upcoming election? Uh, you know, certain, uh, somewhat certain, not too certain, not certain, you know, not going to vote. Uh, if you say you're not going to vote or not or not uh, not likely to vote, they don't bring you into the poll. Well, the problem with that is, you you know, a whole bunch of people said they're not likely to vote. Then the Dobbs decision happens. And all of a sudden, people who've been saying they're not likely to vote, but they're not, they didn't get in the screen yet. So you'd have to be the next poll where you where you would see you know, maybe numbers change because of new people saying, yes, I'm certain I'm going to vote. So there's all kinds of different things that happen before you actually get to the the meat of a poll where, okay, you're now in the group that we're going to ask. And now we're going to ask you, you know, are you favorable about this? Do you have, where, what, what issues do you care about and who are you going to vote for? But to get into that poll, uh, even to be selected as a, as a potential part of the sample, and then a- answering some of the questions that screen you in or out, it's a complicated process. And you're right, Alex. We should probably get Paul or somebody on to um, to talk, be, yeah, know, to to answer some well, of these questions. But 
folks, pay attention to the Virginia Department of Ed of Election uh, newly found 107,000 registra voter registrations uh, uh, again. And I, I think the big eureka here may be that there's 107,000 more voter, more potential voters than even the campaigns knew of. See, that's what I'm saying. You're not, not you're going to go knock on a door. I was out there knocking on doors in Clive, Iowa. You're, you're knocking on a registered voter's door. But these are 107,000 people who applied and it's just being pro in May through September and they're just being put on the rolls now. So no campaign has probably talked to them. I mean, I'm sure they're seeing TV ads, that kind of thing. But no campaigns talk to them and there's no way a pollsters talk to them. And, that, and if these are Demo you know, women who registered or got energized because of Dobbs, you would think there's some there's some voters that are going to come out that no one knew about in Virginia, and that that could be the difference in some of these close congressional races uh, in the state. Well, Joe, that's about as good a place as any to end. We're just about out of time today, but I will before we go plug. There are ways for you to help make sure that things like Virginia do not go unnoticed or in silence. Um, at the Union, we have launched a new action center. It is very cool. You can go. There's like 500 plus different volunteer opportunities with over 70 different partners. It's at action.jointheunion.us. Go volunteer. I've done it. I know Joe's done it. Take a few minutes. Take a few hours. Lob some calls in and do things like volunteer with voter protection if you're worried about something like that in Virginia. So, Joe, take us out. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, everyone, for listening to that trippy show. We'll be back with another deep dive show on Tuesday and our usual show next Friday. Please subscribe to that trippy show and leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. You can always send us a question to that trippy show at gmail.com or leave us a question and a review on iTunes. See you next time. Really run through the tape. Work hard, everybody. Uh, it's getting close, it's getting tight, but we can do it. <laughs>